Hi, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Emily Green, otherwise known as Emily the Medium. This show is a space where I'll share my teachings around life after death, the soul, intuition, developing psychic abilities, and so much more. Together, we will expand our minds beyond what is widely accepted as truth and start to see the mind, body, and soul from a completely different perspective. This is a Soul Fire production. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I was just sitting here jamming out to my own intro music because it's so catchy. Anybody else do that? Do you, Does anybody else ever dance along to either your own intro music on your podcast or other people's intro music? So good. I feel like I want to get my team to send me a full version of my intro music um, so I can like, you know, dance to it or do a remix to it or something. So good. Welcome back to the show. I hope you all are having a wonderful, wonderful day. I'm so excited about today's episode. I had an amazing interview with Danielle Serink, otherwise known, or you may know her as a Squamish Medium. She's at Squamish Medium on Instagram. And I'm really excited for you all to hear this conversation with Danielle because I really love, as I say in the interview, shooting the shit with other mediums, getting to share experiences, share different belief systems, share different kind of ways of looking at things as every medium is so different and we all look at things so differently and have different experiences and different belief systems and so on. And I've always really related to Danielle and her story, her experiences, and the way that she relates to things and the way that she speaks about things. And so we just had an incredible conversation. I really enjoyed getting the chance to kind of pick her brain, hear about her origin story, hear about her end of life, death doula certification, and her process of getting there, um, different kinds of grief, the grief that she experienced after the loss of her pet, her cat, Bender, and so much more. It's really such a full-bodied interview, and we got through a lot of different topics and and things in the past hour. Um, Danielle also has an incredible podcast called Spirit School, which um, this is like my go-to podcast. I don't really listen to other podcasts um, that are kind of, quote-unquote, in the spiritual space. I have a handful of podcasts that I listen to that are kind of in that realm. And Danielle's is one of my top five. Uh, I love her podcast so much. So if you're looking to kind of diversify your podcast feed, I really recommend Danielle's podcast Spirit School. It's absolutely fantastic. And I can't wait for you to hear my interview with her. Before I get to today's interview with Danielle, I want to remind you that I have just recently launched Emily the Medium the collective, which is my community space. And we actually start this Saturday for our full moon circle on Halloween, which I'm really excited for. Um, It's also the full moon. So we're going to do the opening ceremony and do a full moon ceremony. And I cannot wait. So if you're interested in joining the community for the first month of November, I will put the link in the show notes and you can check it out. I would really love to have you there. So without further ado, let's get into today's interview with Danielle. Enjoy. Danielle, thank you so much for being here. I'm I'm really, really looking forward to this conversation. I feel like we've kind of circled each other peripherally for quite a while, and we haven't had a chance to really chat one-on-one. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation, getting to chat with you, getting to hear about your story and kind of getting to like shoot the shit a little bit. Like I love shooting the shit with other mediums and just kind of like talking similar parallel experiences and things like this. So um, so I, I, I'm really looking forward to it and thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited too. I'm a good shit shooter. So I'm excited for this. Love it. Love it. So I would love to hear um, you start off just kind of, by, I'm, I'm, I love hearing origin stories of, of anyone and everyone, but especially other mediums, because I find that uh, just, you know, every medium has such a unique story of how they came to their path or how they came to being a professional medium, psychic medium, whatever you want to call it. So I'm always just like super curious around how you came to this, what, um, you know, what were kind of the events leading up, you can make it as long form or as short form as you want. I just, I'm curious to hear. That's good. I mean, I'm so glad you opened that up because I'm always afraid of going too long, but it's not a quick and easy story. It's, it's one that you could look at 10 different ways. And the way spirit was inspiring me to tell you guys about my story today is, you know, mediumship has really been in my awareness almost my whole life. I didn't grow up with a mediumship family. I didn't grow up with anyone who is overtly spiritual. But I remember at my grandmother's funeral when I was quite young, somebody gifted me a book by James Von Prague. 
And this was when I, before I was a teenager even. And so I'd read that book and it got me thinking about angels and it got me thinking about the afterlife. And of course, like going through my teenage years, having John Edwards on TV and Sylvia Brown, I read all of her books in high school. So mediumship was always in my awareness. I just never thought it was part of my path. And I joined a paranormal investigation group when I was 18 and I was with them for five years. And I was actually the documenter who followed the medium to take notes of what they were capturing. And even back then, I started seeing mediums when I was 17. The second I started earning my own income and I was on my own, I lived on my own since I was 16. And that's how I would spend my money. But I never considered myself to be spiritual or a medium But every reading I ever had since I was 17, the medium would say to me, oh, do you know you're a medium? And I kept saying, well, everyone says that. So this is probably just something that mediums say to their clients, never really thinking anything of it. And to be honest, I had a very colorful past. I was the furthest thing from pure, the way that I lived my life as a teenager in my early 20s. And so I never believed I had this kind of purity complex that angels would speak to me or anything like that. But I was always very spiritual. I was always writing letters to the universe. And I knew I had a spirit guide since I was very young. So I'd always talk to my spirit guide. And so it was quite funny when I turned 31, right? Many years later, like almost double the years later, I had a daughter and that experience was quite traumatic, um, being pregnant and giving birth. And just synchronistically, things started happening after her birth that I couldn't deny. Like I kept getting 444. Um, she, we had a baby monitor in her room and like, it was just a light show mm-hmm. every single night. And so I started thinking like, what are these lights? Like I used to search for these lights in paranormal places. Like I used to travel the world trying to capture stuff like this. And my daughter's room is like this light show. It was crazy. I have all the YouTube videos because it was just like such a crazy time. And my son, to compare it, I had him three years later, same room, same camera, not the same experience. So it was pretty phenomenal around my daughter. And so I ended up synchronistically getting a ticket to go see this medium here in Squamish. I live in Squamish, British Columbia. And I was the first one in the audience to get read and had such a crazy, powerful experience. It reminded me what John Edwards used to do on TV. And I hadn't seen that um, since Sylvia Brown in the 90s. And so my friend gifted me for my birthday a one-on-one reading with her. And again, she's like, do you know that you're a medium? I was like, okay, like people have been telling me this since I was 17, but trust me, angels are not speaking to me. And she started laughing. And I really resonated with this woman because she was so down to earth. She was like what I put in air quotes normal. Mm-hmm. And so before that, I was seeing people that look like Sylvia Brown, like the long nails, the flowy skirts. Right. And so I just couldn't buy into it because I'm not like that. And so when I met this teacher, she said, well, come to one of my development classes and just see what happens. Mm -hmm. And so I would travel like almost 200 kilometers once a month for five hours to attend these spiritual classes. And there was one class where she canceled it because no one could come, but I was already almost there. And she knew I just drove two and a half hours to get there. So she's like, okay, just come and we'll just see what happens. And it just turned out that night, one other woman showed up and she was like, you know what? We're just going to give Danielle this experience. We're going to see what happens. And so she just had me sit and close my eyes. And she said, what do you see? And I could see this young man and I knew his name and the woman who was there had just lost a son whose name I said, and she like clung to me. And she was like, what else do you see? And I saw her mother there with him. And it was like this really intense yet easy experience for me. And so that was like the moment that I realized like, okay, maybe everyone hasn't just been like fluffing my feathers for the past, like, what is that? Like 13 years. And um, it was my first mediumship experience. And the the gravity of that experience, because the mom grabbed me Mm. and she looked at me with like these desperate eyes and she was like, oh my God, you have my son here. And so that was like a powerful moment for me to recognize that I had mediumship abilities, but also the responsibility of the mediumship path. And so that was the beginning of my journey. It's been seven and a half years. And I developed under that teacher for four years and I've developed under a bunch of different mentors since then. But that's kind of like the origin story. (laughs) I love it. I love, oh my gosh, there's so many directions that I could take out of that. I mean, there's just so much that I want to talk to you about, but I, I, but the first thing that I want to say is we have so many, it's almost, 
kind of eerie hearing you speak your experience because there's so many parallels that I can draw to your experience into my own experience. Like even just, you know, I remember the first time I heard you talk about Sylvia Brown and I was like, yes, that's my girl. Like, um, because I, I, I could, didn't hear anybody talking, you know, she was like one of the, I would like sneak into my basement and, and like make sure nobody was around and put on Montel and like watch Sylvia Brown. And then if anybody came downstairs, I would change the channel because I didn't want them to know I was watching Sylvia Brown. But the first time I heard you talk about that, I was like, oh, Yes. And just even hearing your experience of your development and being told I had a similar experience of being told by another medium, like, hey, you know, you know, you know, multiple times before I got the, the picture and, and started developing with the local medium at, at the same time. So I really relate to your story, but I, there's so much so much that I want to talk to you about. And I think the one thing that I was going to say is one thing that I'm really interested in is. Uh, and I don't think I've heard you talk about this around kind of childbirth or bringing a child into the world, like when your daughter was born and that kind of being the catalyst for you to kind of get into your development and sort of really kind of dig in. And she was quite young as you're developing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was just born. Wow. So like you're in Canada, right? Like in Canada, we get a year off and I worked for the government. So I had a year paid off. So it was just me and her for a whole year, me trying to figure out how to be a mom, super tired, but I working corporate, like I was a hustler. Right. And so I actually had tons of time on that year off. And so, you know, having her was quite traumatic. Like I had, we had four miscarriages before we conceived her. And one of the most profound spiritual experiences I had was when I lost my son, when I was carrying him and he physically appeared beside my husband's side of the bed. Um, I didn't know because it was actually this medium who recalled that experience exactly. And was like, that's your son. And I was like, Oh, and I lost him a couple of days later. Um, and so we were kind of like gifted this experience of, of seeing him before he kind of bailed out. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, Nope, 2020, I'm not coming in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? But yeah. you know, yeah. so the whole like process of becoming a mom mm-hmm. was like a hard one for me. And so, because I was so traumatized from my losses when I was pregnant with KJ and my daughter, I completely ignored the fact I was pregnant. I had no I had no beliefs I was coming home with a baby, even on the way to the hospital. Like that's how traumatized I was. And then I had pretty much everything that could go wrong in a birth went wrong in this birth, which ended up in a cesarean. And like, she was two weeks late induction, like 0% diet, like everything that went wrong. And I felt like brave heart on that table. I'm like, can you guys like not knock me out? Like it was a really hard pregnancy and birth for me. And so then I'm home with this beautiful, like light being. And like, I had all these experiences around her, like every morning she would cry at 444. Wow. And I was like, for like kid, what is wrong with you? And it, I'm so thick. Sometimes it took me months to realize, holy crap, like you're waking up every day at 444. So then I would look up the number 444 and it was like about angels. I'm like, oh, angels. Okay. I thought the Catholics own the angels, wow. but I guess like they're here and then all the lights. So it was just like her being that brought in yeah. All these experiences. And I think that like, I think you'll recognize from hearing so many origin stories, it is usually something quite traumatic that like awakens us into these gifts. And yeah. so I feel like spirit had to like break me down a little bit through that experience of becoming a mom mm-hmm. to be open enough to receive all the signs that they were giving me. And I do believe that my gifts came at this time for her, right? I'm not pushing spirituality on her, but she does talk about angels all the time. Since she could talk, she talks about angels every day, though now she's a Scorpio, right? So she- (laughs) She talks about like dark angels, even though like, I don't believe in such a thing, but she's into like the dark side, light side. She's yes. seven, right? So she's so funny. And wow. so I think like she was kind of just like the pathway to my spirituality mm-hmm. and my life changed after that. Right. Yeah. So I was fully my masculine. And then I had to kind of get into the feminine and learn about angels. And like, I do yeah. feel that it came to me at that time because it's going to be part of her path. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, that's what I was just, as I was listening to you speak, I think that's so interesting. And I've, I've heard kind of similar, not ex- your exact experience, but similar experiences from, um, from people, from parents, from women who, you know, their child kind of really acts as like this catalyst into whatever it is, whether that's their abilities, mediumship, this kind of thing. Um, so I just think that's so beautiful. And it sounds like she kind of is still that catalyst for you right now, or just sort of like bringing up, you know, talking about these little things. I love it. So cool. So that's amazing. I mean, and there's two other things that I want to, I want to talk to you about, about from that, you know, I'm really intrigued by your, I know you talk about this a lot and and I am 
let me just say completely on the same page as you around, um, you know, just a little context to this question is when I was kind of a kid, you know, I was like checking out the paranormal activity books from the library and like hiding them under my bed and reading about, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so that was kind of really like even, you know, five or six years old, checking out these books on ghosts and, you know, spirits and mm-hmm. entities and blah, blah, blah. And I know that you hold the belief that, you know, that oh, I'm cur- I'll, I'll, I'll let you speak for yourself on that, on that kind of your belief on that. Um, but I'm really on the same page as you. And I think that it's not necessarily a popular kind of topic or conversation in, in you know, in our kind of world. Um, because, you know, I've heard people say, like, I've, I've even heard people kind of call me ignorant to my face, sort of saying, mm-hmm. like, that's not, you know, that's just not realistic. How can you, you know, live in that fairy fantasy world of, you know, of the, but personally, that's just never the experience that I've chosen to subscribe to. That's just not a belief that I find empowering that, you know, that we can have houses haunted by paranormal entities, or we can be possessed by demonic kind of things like that. So I'd love to hear you speak just on your experience with that and um, that belief system, because I know you even said you're a paranormal investigator. So how did you, how did you come to that? See, and I was obsessed with that too. I remember checking out books as a kid. Like I wanted all the horror books and I watched all the Freddy Kruegers, all the Jasons, like every, me and my friend used to hustle as kids and we would host bake sales and like we'd lawns and wash cars and we'd save half for Disneyland and half for horror movies and Subway cookies. And so we literally watched every horror movie at Blockbuster by the time we were 10, right? So I wanted to believe in ghosts. And I did have experiences where me and my mom would be home and we'd hear like steps come from upstairs to downstairs. And we had an experience one time we were in the kitchen cooking spaghetti together and we turned around and the spaghetti spoon was across the floor, like across the room on the floor, but we didn't hear it. Like how did it get there? And so I fully believed in ghosts in uh you know trap spirits and mm-hmm. you know people sticking behind and like I did want to believe in that because of the experiences that I'd had and that's why I joined the paranormal investigation group because yeah. I loved most haunted I, I stayed Chillingham Castle was their first episode and I went and stayed at Chillingham Castle like four times and Love you know it. I used to travel the world in my early 20s looking for ghosts and wow. so what I found was even before I knew about my mediumship abilities, we just never caught anything. We just never mm. caught anything that couldn't be discredited by the medium of being like a loved one or like someone just like hanging out and they weren't stuck, right? They weren't trapped here in this realm. They had moved on and they had, you know, wanted to come through and just say, Hey, guess what? We live past this and there's something more than this. And then when I started doing my mediumship and really kind of looking at those past experiences with this different lens, it's definitely a bit wider. Um, I was like, wow, it doesn't make sense. It actually just doesn't make sense that something would be stuck here, that houses would be haunted. And anytime I've gone into a house and I'm very picky about who I work with in this realm. And I usually only work with kids or teenagers. If a kid or teenager is involved, I will usually listen as long as the parents are open to it being something that's not paranormal. Yes, I say, as yes. long as your, your beliefs are flexible, as flexible as mine, mm-hmm. I will come work with you. And so, and I do work with a lot of teenagers, um, but I'll explain that in a minute. And so I guess just the more that you study mediumship, the more that you converse with the world of spirit, you realize how much it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And now I still love watching paranormal caught on tape. Like I love it. I watch it. I record it. I'm like, I I want to believe this stuff. I watch it. Like I love alien and stuff too. Right. I watch it for like UFOs and like they do freak me out, but I'm like, Hey, if you just change the music, like if you literally change the music and the narrative to some of these like lights that they catch, or, you know, I watched this one just this week with my husband where this woman lived in a house where it used to be a dance studio during the world wars. And so they caught a full figure dancing, but they put the scary music to it. And it's like, that doesn't mean that she's like stuck there. Mm -hmm. Maybe she just wants to feel that experience again and come back and like put on her ballerina dress and like have that experience in that space or a residual energy, however you want to look or believe in it. But this, mm, it's kind of like belief system that things get stuck here for whatever reason. It just doesn't make sense. And I've, yeah. I believe that for a very long time, mm-hmm. but I never said it because it is unpopular and because people love to hang on to their um, ghost stories. Right. Yes. And then it wasn't until I studied under Mavis Patilla in 2016, mm-hmm. where she said, Oh my God, my, my brain hurt. She said, you don't need to go around rescuing earthbound spirits. There is no such thing. Wow. And I was like, 
you could have heard a pin drop amongst these like 30 mediums because I know half of them were charging for house clearings. Right. And I'm just like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Like this kind of like bust everything that I've been looking into almost my whole life. Like even Sylvia Brown would talk about the Toys R Us ghost and yeah. the Sarah Winchester house. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, but I think that we're evolving spiritually. And I think that our awareness is evolving and our communication is very different with spirit now than it was a long time ago. So it kind of makes sense that these old beliefs would kind of like fade away, but yeah. It is an unpopular topic. People will definitely want to cling to their stories, mm-hmm. but I just recommend to everyone like to stay very flexible. Yeah. One thing I do want to say though, is that, you know, when I get an email from somebody in town here, I live in a very small town and I was the only working medium for a while. Now there's like definitely a lot more cause I train a lot more Yeah, <laughs> and I would get emails from people and they would be like, Oh, my, my teen sees all this and shadows and ghosts. And there's something clinging to her and attached to her attached is like the worst word. I can't stand it. Mm-hmm. And I would go there. And instead of trying to convince the family of the teenager that what they're experiencing is not real, because I'm not here to argue with anyone or take away anyone's beliefs, I'll instead show them how to connect with angels. I'd be like, so I've actually worked with different teens for years. And I'm like, here, I'm going to show you how to connect with angels. And then guess what happens? That's all they experience right? So it's like intention goes where energy flows or whatnot. It's like, if you really think that you're haunted and being attached, focus on something else. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Well, I think I love that everything that you just said, it's like a reframing the whole experience. I think you're so right. Like there's just so, you know, we were kind of being fed this narrative for so long and it's really perpetuated by you know, the horror movies and the paranormal, you know, all these things, it's really perpetuated by all of that. So I think that's why I love to hear you talk about this, because I think when we start reframing that narrative, it actually reinforces the belief too, even that, you know, that anybody that, that actually that kind of like bump in the night or whatever you're hearing, Hey, that's actually a loved one, you know, kind of hanging around looking for, you know, sort of an in or a way to connect or communicate and and Mm -hmm. what's more beautiful and empowering than that. You know, I just think it's, it's such an important narrative to, um, to kind of, I think you're right, like it is changing. And I'm glad that, um, that you're reframing it by talking about it, because I think that that's how, you know, I'm hoping that we can just us people hearing this conversation, or you speaking about this so eloquently, that they can kind of even start to rethink previous experiences that they've mm-hmm. had, like even just as I heard you speaking, and this is actually going to parlay into the next thing I want to ask you about. Even just as I heard you speaking, I remember when I was a when I was a kid, like I was that you know I was that kid who was like, "Mom, there's an old dude in my room," like you know, "There's this guy." But but now like but even just as I'm kind of hearing you speak about this, it's like, yeah, but that old dude is actually now who I relate to one of my spirit guides, right? So it's like. But it, it, it's all about kind of, I think even just it's, it's, it's causing me to look at things a little bit differently in my own experiences too, that I haven't actually been able to make sense of until just this moment. So thank you, Danielle. It's very, yeah. very good. Yeah. Well, this is why I tell a lot of people, I say, you know, stay flexible in your beliefs because I, I'm sure you agree, but like yeah. I used to subscribe to everything Sylvia Brown said as truth, mm-hmm. but as a medium, my experience with suicides is very different than what she wrote about. So if I was so thick that I couldn't be flexible to the things I believed 10 years ago, I couldn't evolve and grow. Mm. And so I tell a lot of my students, even what I say today may sound very outdated in five or 10 years. So be very flexible about it. And as we evolve, our awareness evolves, our beliefs are going to evolve too, but you have Mm. to allow it space to evolve. Yeah, absolutely. And that's actually such a good point because I know you teach and you mentor and and you have this, the most amazing membership service, which I'm a part of. And I just absolutely love it. It's called the initiation circle. I just love it. I really, really appreciate and value and admire the way that you teach and the way that you share. But, you know, I've had many mentors along the way too. And one thing, you know, I had to kind of, I don't know if this has been your experience as well. I'd love to hear you speak on this is I actually had to kind of detox from some of the dogmatic beliefs that I was kind of not, and it wasn't necessarily like you choose, you know, if, if you believe in this and that's fine, it was like, you have to think this way, or you have to work this way, or this must be the way that you work with your mediumship and da, da, da. There was not that flexibility that you're speaking of. So I'm curious to hear about your experience, just, um, you know, as somebody who worked with mentors or still works with mentors and now transitioning that experience, transitioning into an experience of, of mentoring, how do mm. you kind of make sure that you're holding space for your students' kind of individual experiences and their individual abilities um, while kind of, you know, sharing and teaching at the same time. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, 
I loved my first mentor. So I will say my first mentor was very spiritual, um, more God focused. And I, I will say this before I tell you what happens next, but she always made us think for ourselves. She would never give us answers. And I really appreciated that style of teaching. Mm -hmm. I would say my ears are ringing and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, what do you think it is? Meditate on it. So she would always send us back to spirit. And Mm -hmm. so she was actually a really empowering teacher in that way because she never took away our power. She never tried to fix anything. She never tried to problem solve anything. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciated that way of learning. And I did study under her for four years. But I will say that my first two mentors that I had, which were probably the most profound in my life, both turned born again Christian. And so they actually ended up um, renouncing, denouncing mediumship vehemently and saying like still trying, not one of them, but one of them still tries to rescue me because she thinks I'm going to hell and all this stuff. So, but they were both amazing, impactful teachers in my life and gave me confidence. And my first teacher was very, she ended up getting very competitive with me. And she admitted to that, like she was purposely holding me back. And because I actually developed for over three years before I put myself out there as a working medium, I did a very slow and steady path because I'm a Virgo. I'm a perfectionist. I also had a career that I loved and, you know, I I didn't know if I would do this full time. I knew, always knew I wanted to teach because I loved my teacher so much. I was like, man, if I could even have like a piece of that energy, like I want it. So I always knew I wanted to teach. And, um, so that was kind of my experience, my first two mentors. And I studied under Aboriginal medium, Sean Leonard as well for a year. I'm done Tony Stockwell retreats and I'm being mentored by Mavis Patilla. Now I'm an advanced mediumship and I do love being mentored, but the thing of the matter is, and Mavis describes it really well, where she says, you know, we're natural mediums and then we become unnatural and unnatural again. When we're studying mm-hmm. with a new mentor, we become unnatural because then we're picking up their habits and we're taking on their philosophies. And in the end, we always just end up working how we started working out, right? Yeah. It's so cool to like learn different techniques and the way that different people do it, but you're always going to end up working your very natural way. So I find sometimes people who take too much mentorship, mm-hmm. they get really confused in their head. They're like, I don't know which way is up or down. And so I try to tell the people who study under me, like, you know, study under me for sure, but take some time in between mentors to like integrate. And every once in a while, let spirit be your guide, let spirit literally be your mentorship and your teacher. And so I will usually take about a year off between mentorship programs so that I can Mm -hmm. give spirit, my guides, my angels, ancestors, inspirers, um, space and time to also mentor me. Right. But you do see the addiction pattern, especially with courses, people kind of like hopping between. And the best thing is just you have a relationship with spirit. I mean, and you are a spirit. So you have literally everything inside and with your connection with the spirit world to mentor you through these experiences. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I love, I love hearing you speak about that. And I think it's, it's so true, like taking kind of the breaks in between to make sure that you're integrating or going back to your own experience or filtering through what you learned and applying it and all these kinds of things. I I think it's, it's so, it's such a good point. So true. The next thing I want to, I want to talk to you about. I'm so curious to hear you speak on this because I know you mentioned that you had a relationship with your spirit guide from a very kind of Mm. young age. I think you mentioned that. So can you speak on that? Because it's something that, um, that I'm really interested in. I love talking about, and I love kind of talking to clients and people and teaching about just our, our kind of relationship with our spirit guides who are, you know, these beings who are not necessarily always, uh, loved ones. Um, they are Mm -hmm. kind of a, a, you know, not always, you know, um, but I would love to hear you speak on just how you came into contact with this relationship with your spirit guide and your relationship kind of through the process of your development and what your relationship with your spirit guide or guides is like now. Yeah. My relationship with my guide and like, I don't want this to sound like, you know, he like rescues me or like saves me or, you know, is like my everything, but there's not a closer bond I have Mm -hmm. in the world of spirit or here in this human experience that I feel with my guide Skylar. And the fact of the matter is I had a very, um, independent upbringing, right? Like I was on my own at 16. Um, I was a bit of a latchkey kid, you know, and so I was by myself a lot and my parents are amazing and they live with me and love my parents, but you know, they were young parents and they, they had to work. And so me and my brother, a lot of the time are kind of by ourselves or with each other. And I remember going to uh, the local swimming pool when I was seven and I had this little boy approach me and he's like, Oh, Hey, my name's Skylar. And I remember saying at that moment, Oh, I have a guide named Skylar. Wow. And it was like, 
when I look back, it was a very profound experience, but when I was in it, it wasn't. I just remember saying I had a guide named Skylar. And then we ended up playing at the pool together that whole day, never saw him again, but something happened in that moment where I never felt alone and I always felt alone and I never felt alone. And I started having spiritual experiences very soon after that, when my grandmother died and I couldn't place it. I didn't actually come to awareness to Skylar until I was about 17 again, Mm -hmm. but I never felt alone, even when I was alone. And so I always had some spirit being that I was conversing with. And I remember my parents used to look at me because they would see me lost in thought and I would start laughing. And um, even at like 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, even still today. And now that I understand the transfer of thought and the claircognizance that's involved with spirit communication, especially with your guide, I know I've been having conversations with Skylar in my head for a very, very long time. And so I started obviously after Sylvia Brown books, like, Ooh, who's my guide Skylar, like Skylar keeps coming up for me. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, with the spiritual path before you're fully on it, you dip in and out of it. So I'd be aware for a couple of years and then I'd go sleep for a couple of years and have my human experience. And I would come back into it for a couple of years. And when Skylar came through to me again, when I was 31 and I was on the mediumship path and I declared to the world of spirit, I'm never leaving this path again. I know you've been leading to me this path my whole life and I haven't hopped on it for whatever reason. And I'm never leaving it again. I am devoting the rest of my life to the world of spirit. And so ever since I made that declaration, when I was 31, Skylar has been so close to me and he gives me the same sign when he's always around. He is in constant communication with me. He's giving me signs. Like even a few weeks ago, if I could just share the story, how we communicate just so people know it's like, not like some magical outside of my body experience. It's very practical. And I remember sitting at my desk and I just lost my cat. So I was like crying about my cat. And I said to Skylar, like through my tears. And I was like, you know, you know, what was suck Skylar is like, when I go to heaven, like when I come home, then I made all this up. Because, you know, with spirit communication, it's, it's easy yet hard yet. It, you know, it's like, shouldn't this be harder? And we make it hard because we're human and we suck. Right. Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) Skylar said to me, he's like, that's because we communicate through transfer of thought. And I never heard that phrase before of her transfer of energy. And I was like, "Mm, okay. And so I did something different that night where I ended up putting the lamp beside my bed and I read a book and I never read books before bed because they put me to sleep. And it's a book I've been reading from 1861 for two years called the mediums book written by Alan Kardec. And I turned the page and the next page says spirit communication is a transfer of thought. And the next four pages were all about how communication with spirit is telepathic. And it's done through thought. And I cried because that's the kind of magic, the the connection with the spirit guide can bring. He didn't give me an answer per se. He didn't come in and rescue me from my sorrow. He gifted me this thought and phrase in my mind that was validated merely seconds later. Mm -hmm. And so that's the way Skylar communicates with me. And I learned through the trauma that I experienced in my life that Every time, especially since I've been aware of mediumship, I would say, and I tested it with my husband. I was like, I don't feel Skylar around because I can always feel him around. Mm -hmm. And I just say him putting humanness to something spiritual. He's just always appeared as a boy to me. And so every time I would say that and I'm like, okay, where are you? I don't feel you around me. I would then have a near death experience or a traumatic birth or, you know, something crazy would happen. And so then I realized the relationship with the guide is that they're not here to rescue us. And he's the one, he's the gatekeeper in my life. who keeps my loved ones aside who mm-hmm. people are always like, Oh, my grandma's my guide. I'm like, she can't be, I'm like, yes. you should too invested in your path. Right. Skylar's when Nana step aside, she wanted to have this experience. You can't rescue her. Yeah. And so, you know, I feel that they are literally here to inspire us to let us fall, but not too far, but not save us from our mistakes. Mm-hmm. And Like I say, I've never, there's not a single spirit in the spirit world who has brought me more evidence, more inspiration, more love than my guide. Yeah. I mean, I almost get emotional hearing you speak about your relationship with, with your guide. It's so beautiful because I, I really relate to your, your experience because I have a very similar relationship with my kind of primary also male or how I relate to him is male um, guide named Daniel. And it, it's, it's truly, I think this is why I'm, I'm, I'm so passionate about this subject, about having a relationship with your guides or, or being acquainted or knowing, you know, knowing that they're present, whether sing, singular or multiple because because 
when you, oh, I got goosebumps. Like when Mm -hmm. you know that experience and know what it feels like, I completely agree with you. Like it is the most intimate relationship that I have also ever had physical and non-physical. It is so incredibly um, intimate. Like I just, I can't explain it with any other word. And it's like, I don't know what I would have done at different points throughout my life if I did not have this relationship in some way. And so that I just, I was like getting emotional listening to you speak about it because I so relate to it. And I think it's so wonderful. So just curious, because this is a question I get all the time. Like, okay, this is great, Emily. You're talking about your relationship with your guide. I don't know if people say this to you. Wow, your, your relationship with Skylar is so beautiful. Okay, how do I do that too? And I find that people get a little bit tripped up around the the kind of the spirit guide sort of connection or how they can make their own relationship with the spirit guide. So I don't know if you get that question. And if you do, what do you say? How do you kind of inspire people to create their own relationship with their guides? Well, I will never tell anyone who I think their guide is ever. Like, even if people say to me, like, who's my guide? I'm like, I will teach you the way, honey, but you will figure this out for yourself because I don't want to rob somebody of one of the most profound experiences they could have in their life. Right. And so I'm just not that kind of medium. And so I actually just tell people, just start having conversations with the guy. Just assume that they're there when you're doing the dishes, when you're driving, when you're like pissed off at your kids, like literally talk to them. Like they are your best friend because they are, and just have this open dialogue with them because yeah, you can do a meet your guide meditation. Absolutely. But even then people get in their heads, right? Well, it was a girl before now it's a guy. And then it was like a Vivian and then now it's a Daniel. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, it's just the humanness just drives me crazy. And so I'm like, you know what? They're your best friend. They are literally your best friend on the other side. So just give them everything. Give them your worries, give them your concerns, give them your questions, and then lean into trust and give them a chance to bring you evidence that they are there, that they are listening. Because you'll ask them a question, and then all of a sudden you'll be watching a commercial and the answer comes, or you'll be drawn to a book and the answer comes. Like they're the ones who are lining this up. So it's really this relationship of trust and faith, which is all spiritual is anyways. And so you just need to talk to them and give them the space to answer. Yeah. Right. And then lean into trust and just believe the experiences. Get out of your head, get out of your way and just trust. And then the more, who is it? John Holland, I heard say like, it's not, I'll believe it when I see it. I'll see it when I believe it. Mm -hmm. And so it is really having like this belief that you have a guide and that they are here for the better, for your highest and greatest good. And then get out of your logical way and then just let them come through. To me, that's the best way. When I did, because I am skeptical, like I'm a skeptical medium, um, I did dedicate about two years of my spiritual development to going into meditation to meet him and having him bring me a sign. And it took me about two years to realize, okay, this is my sign. Mm -hmm. And now when I'm out and about, I actually get it when I'm not thinking about him. When I'm not thinking about anything spiritual and then he'll give me my sign, which is this, like, uh, it's almost like an electric shock on my back. Like it's like this, uh, it's very concentrated. It's always in the same space. Mm -hmm. Cause I did tell him I need something physical, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want like a vision of a butterfly. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm poo poo on clairvoyance all the time. Right. And I'm like, I don't want any visuals. I'm like, it's gotta be physical for me to believe it. And he, he brought it physically and it's been consistent for over seven years now. Wow. It's amazing. And I think it's just like, I love the way you put that because it's, it's, it's like a relationship. You have to build the relationship. And I mean, how do you build a relationship with someone new, whether that's a partner or a friend, will you talk? Right. So that's, that's exactly, that's exactly what I did too. I was just talk, you know, talk, 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 sit down, talk, you know, write, talk, like speak in my head, talk, speak out loud, talk. Like, it's just like, you have to, and that's the thing is it, and I think that also you also um, demonstrated that really well. Like it takes time too. Um, took, it took me time to kind of figure out out the dynamic to figure out the communication like you said to figure out kind of the sign the physical sign um mine feels like kind of like somebody's cracking an egg over the top of my head and um oh, yeah it's kind of like um it gets like it's like kind of like liquidy kind of yeah. all like down the sides of my head my ears and over to the back of my neck so you know it does it takes time so I love that. And I hope that this kind of just inspires people to, I think one of the things that I just say too, is, you know, be patient, um, you know, be patient with the experience, like not like getting like, ah, oh, like I, I'm trying to talk to them, but nothing's happening or, you know, yeah. or things like this. It's so easy, right. To, to, to get into that. But um, I love the way, I love the way you spoke about that. So that's, that's so neat. And I just hope it kind of inspires people to know that that is really possible for them too. that level of, of, you know, of communication and connection and intimacy in a relationship is, is really very much um, possible. And I think also you made a good point too. And I talk about this as well, where 
um, you know, it's like your your ancestors are are not necessarily that you know exactly they they have they don't have the same objectivity, um, right? So so I, I love that you spoke about that too. The next thing I wanted to um, to talk to you about, and this is kind of um, this is a double sort of it's a compliment and also a question um it's just i really you know you were the first person that i heard or one of the first people that i heard talk about kind of the not so beautiful um parts of mediumship which i don't think is very you know it's not necessarily a popular super popular topic of conversation as well just in terms of you know um, having kind of, you know, quote unquote, bad readings or having, you know, kind of the quitting the path at certain points and having fear and doubt come up and all these kinds of things. And I just think I remember, you know, when I was first developing and I just could not find anybody who was talking about that. And that mm -hmm. was the experience that I was having. And it was so incredibly isolating because everybody that I talked to was like, this is the best. I'm so great. You know, it's all great and butterflies and rainbows. And I'm like, that is just not my experience. I am like, like struggling every day, you know, doubting myself every day, like having these readings that are just like, oh, walking through mud, but then having these beautiful readings to kind of break that up. So I would love, and, and actually I, I know you had Anthony Morocco on your podcast, Spirit School, which by the way, I love your podcast, Daniel. I listened to like, um, as soon as you put out an episode, I'm, I'm all, all over it. But I know you spoke to Anthony Morocco on your podcast about um, his video that he made fear and doubt in your mediumship. And before I was introduced to your work and the way that you speak about this, that was kind of the first time that I went, oh my God, people are actually having these conversations or these same experiences as me. So can you talk a little bit about that? just around sort of, you know, the not so beautiful parts of mediumship and your experience around that? Yeah, this is my most, this is why I became a teacher. And this is why, you know, and I made a lot of money in corporate. So I didn't have a lot to lose when I first started talking about this. I was like, I got, I was heavily criticized by my teachers for being so um, overt about the struggles in mediumship development and doing mediumship work. They're like, no one's going to want to work with you. Mm. I'm like, then they're not my people, yeah. right? I'm like, this needs to be said because none of my teachers were talking about this. So I didn't come out for three years because I was like, well, pfft, I don't see things and I don't, I don't get any of that. And, you know, really thinking that I was no good. Mm -hmm. And I actually realized like, I am pretty good. I am, I'm a good medium. I'm not the best medium but I'm a good medium, but because I did have readings where it felt like walking through molasses and I did have readings where everything felt very psychic. Um, it didn't feel like I touched heaven and I don't feel like I made this huge impact on this person's life. I didn't think that I was worthy of the path. And my teachers let me feel like that because uh, the teachers I was aligned with and I feel gained the divinity behind it is quite phenomenal is they were not willing to be vulnerable because they, it was their life's work. It wasn't my life's work. I had a nine to five. I'm, I made tons of money and I was perfectly comfy doing that and doing this on the side. And so I felt like I had, uh, you know, I had more freedom to talk about these things. And what I didn't realize would happen is that my career would completely blow up because I talked about these things and my teachers were thinking no one's going to want to work with you but instead the opposite happened I have over 100 people on my wait list to work with me as a teacher and as like for readings yeah. and it's because I'm being honest and I think people just appreciate honesty now more than anything like let's cut through the bullshit like, like let's cut through the bs that spiritual people and especially the thing that drives me nuts is people place mediumship above tarot or mediumship above psychic. And I'm like, even that hierarchy like drives me nuts. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, can we all just be real here for a second? Yeah. Like, let's just be real. Yeah. Right. And so I try really hard to just be as authentic as possible myself hundred percent of the time. So if you talk with me on the street, you can hear me talk like this. Right. And I think that's why people really are attracted to work with me because I'm very open about the struggles of it and they still want to hire me mm -hmm. and the struggles don't stop. And mm -hmm. actually hearing people like Anthony, who's like about three years ahead of me in his development and Tony, who I studied under still talking about this. He's about 30 years ahead of me. It's like, okay, it's never going to end. So I can let that pipe dream go and I can give myself a permission slip to be wrong, mm -hmm. to align myself with clients who are difficult, who then make my life difficult. And you know, it's, 
it's all okay. And it's all normal. And I feel like if I'm talking about it, maybe more people will talk about it and then things will be normalized. And I think like one of the passions that I have in this work is always creating things I wish I had. Like there's a very competitive space amongst the sisters that I was studying alongside. And I remember mediumship was quite easy for me. And I have always been a powerful woman and I always have been, I've always been confident. I've always gone for my dreams. I've never settled for less. And I found that it made other people feel less superior. And so I found myself shrinking in the development space and trying to make myself less powerful. And I catch myself still doing it. Like I'm in Mavis's advanced mediumship class. And I still catch myself going back to the essence of trying not to be as powerful as I am or trying not to be as good as I am because I don't want to make other people feel worse. And so when I created the initiation circle, it was really wanting to create the space where it's like, if I rise, you all rise. If you rise, everyone rises. Like, let's not be competitive. Let's not get into this hierarchy. Let's not da, 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 mm-hmm. because there's too much of that in the spiritual world. So yeah. when I created Spirit School, my podcast, it was always going to be a vulnerable take on the mediumship and spiritual development journey. And it still is. I added a bit of a business aspect into it because I love business. Yeah. I love entrepreneurship. It's like an art form to me. It's one of the things I'm so incredibly passionate about. Um, but yeah, I mean, the truth of the matter is I just try to create something that I didn't get that I was yearning for. And so hopefully, you know, it helps other people be courageous enough just to see what, what they're made of. Cause we all have these abilities. It's just how much humanness do we let in our way versus yeah. how much do we let spirit kind of like take the lead? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I love everything you just said. And I think it's so, it's so important, you know, and that's why I, and I I heard you say this on your podcast one time and I just loved it. And you were kind of, you were saying something along the lines of like, I'm being really vulnerable here. And like, let me know that you're feeling me too, you know, because I'm kind of showing up every, you know, on my podcast and I'm being vulnerable and I'm sharing, you know, kind of things that maybe it's not so people don't talk about, or I'm giving kind of, my community, what I needed at that time. And I just think that's so important because you're so right. Like there is, um, I find that there's kind of this, and I even have worked through this myself is there's kind of this perfectionism complex within the mediumship space too. And then the competition added on to that. And I think the way that we really sort of start to reframe that and combat that is through vulnerability. And it's like, you know, I can be a good medium and I'm also not always you know, perfect, or I'm not, I'm, I'm vulnerable, or I'm scared, or I'm lacking courage, or this or that. So I just really love the way you speak about that. And just really grateful that I just want to, like, say to you, like, thank, thank you for, for doing that. And for, for speaking about that, especially when it's uncomfortable, um, because it's really, you know, it's, it's, it's impacted me so much and created so many ripples throughout my life and my mediumship and my path. And I know that it's doing that for people in your community as well. So I really appreciate the way you, you speak about that. It was really Mm -hmm. such a, um, such a light for me. So thank you. Thank you. Um, the next thing I wanted to, to talk about, I have just two more little things I'm, I'm curious to hear you speak on is I know that you have talked about doing your, um, your end of life, um, Mm. certification. And I'm really curious to hear about how you came to the decision to do that, um, certification, maybe explain a little bit about what that is and then how you came to that. And then how you find that your path as a medium and your work in this side of things, how do they intersect or how do they kind of match up? Yeah. So death doula work, which in the States, they call it death doula in Canada, we call it end of life doula. Um, It's something that's been in my awareness for a very long time. And, you know, being a medium, I've always been a little bit obsessed with death, like my whole life. But when I took my end of life doula certification program last year, my goal around taking it in the here and now was because I was obviously considering stepping into this mediumship path full-time, which I just went full-time in January of this year. And I never understood grief Mm -hmm. because I've never experienced grief. I've lost my grandparents, but that's it. And that was quite young. And it's a different kind of grief than what I knew my clients were experiencing. Mm -hmm. So I actually ended up taking the program to kind of understand a little bit more about grief, a little bit more about to, you know, the science behind it. And that course offered me that and so much more, like literally so much more. I loved it so much. And I do intend on going into end of life doula work, but my kids are so young. I can't do on-call work right now. But the things that I really kind of took away from it were, you know, I'm First Nation. So the death protocols within First Nations communities is so different than the Western world, which does not recognize or respect 
different cultures, death protocols. So I kind of wanted to learn a little bit more about that as well. And just the death culture the Western world has, which is like so messed up because we're scared of getting older. We glorify youth. And like, so then everyone's scared to die because everyone's scared to get older. And then people are unprepared for death, even though none of us are making it out of here. Mm -hmm. And so doing the end of life doula work for me is going to be more than like visualing and helping people pass. It's going to be getting people excited about their life. It's like, we have a chance to like really live. And so uh, what I took from the experience of becoming a deaf doula was really around life of affirmation and not wasting any time that we have here. You have a dream, go for your freaking dream. You want to leave your job because you hate it, leave your fucking job. Like, why are we wasting time when we, that's the one thing we don't have trying to people please or do what we think that we're supposed to be doing or stick with the pension plan and like not really live because at the end of the life, we're all going to have different regrets, but what regrets do we want to have at the end of the life? But in theory, death doula work is more around helping people navigate the system of death, right? So if somebody wanted medical assistance in dying, then how do you navigate that legally? And how does that work with insurance companies? And how do I leave my family a legacy, especially for people who um, get a terminal illness? And so you, a death doula will work with somebody on legacy projects, on navigating the conversations with their family, on accessing different areas of like the health industry or the legalities of, you know, like I want to be turned into a crystal when I die. So I had to go through the legalities to make sure that like my husband's not going to bury me in the ground. Right. (laughs) Cause I'm like, don't waste the space. Make me into a crystal. Damn it. Turn me into a damn crystal. Right. And I'm doing that with my cat's ashes right now. So I'm like testing out the theory. So like making that like legal. And so, and then also with the visualing, because it takes a while to die, especially if you have an illness, anyone who's lost, somebody knows that, and it can really exhaust the family and the family wants to be there. So you can bring an end of life doula into the family um, hospice care so that they can spend time with your loved one. Um, and they can even help people like we're not grief counselors by any means, but we can help people kind of like navigate the passing through empathy and just like holding space and being there. So there's a lot of different hats and end of life doula can make and wear, but for me, I really want to normalize the conversation around death. I really want to get people excited about the life that they chose to come in here with. Like those are the areas that I'm really keen on embodying when it comes to this end of life doula work. So if you get my newsletter, I'm always talking about like, honey, like don't keep relationships that don't light you up. Like yeah. don't, don't do anything that you feel like you have to do, like do things that you really want to do. And yeah. so, and I'm an, I'm an embodiment of that in my life. Cause I gave up my crazy cool corporate career for this work full time. Right. Yeah. Wow. No, no safety. Totally. Amazing. I mean, I think that just, it's such a, I love the way you spoke on, on the process of, of death and dying and just our cultures kind of, um, you know, how they relate to it and how most people relate to death. And I think it's such a, it's such a beautiful conversation and such a beautiful kind of um, compliment to your work as a medium as well. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful compliment. So, and I know you mentioned um, when you were, when you're saying this, and I know this as well, that you just recently lost your pet, Mm. your cat Bender. Um, And I'd love, I'd love to hear you speak on that, just of the grief of kind of um, losing a, a, a baby, you know, I know he was your baby, but you spoke of that around how he was like your first baby. Um, but you know, I, I'm curious to hear you speak on this because I personally, my first major grief experience as well was also through the loss of, of a pet, um, through my dog Indy in 2018. And I think it's, it's interesting. And that's what, this is why I loved hearing you speak on this because I feel that it's, it's, it's kind of, um, I don't know the right, the correct word for it, but I feel like it's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm grieving or I'm grieving a loss. Oh, who are you grieving? Oh, well, it's my dog. You know, my dog, it's like, oh, well, you know, know. you'll be okay. You'll be okay. Uh, you know, so I'm curious just to hear you, you speak on your experience of the grief of, of the loss of, of, of your baby, of your, of Bender, um, and, and kind of, I guess the, the misconception that society has around pets. And because, you know, I know I've talked to so many people and clients and, 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 and read for had animals come through in readings as well, uh, who it's, it's like the biggest loss of, of their life. Hundred percent. They've lost parents, they've lost siblings, you know? So I'd love to hear you speak on your experience within that. I'm so glad that you want to talk about this girl. Cause I mean, losing Bender changed my life in so many ways and I'm still dealing with grief today. And, you know, I still cry over him every single day. He died September 4th. We're recording this you know, October 26th. Um, but what we experience with loss in society is called disenfranchised grief. And so disenfranchised grief is miscarriages, 
pets, divorces, right? Like the, the grief that's not fully understood by society. Cause it's not your kid. It's not your, your husband. It's not your mom. But what I have also heard the same thing, Emily, where nobody is people say that nothing compares to the loss of a pet. Now here's my theory on that. Yeah. My cat's perfect, right? He's never pissed me off. <laughs> he's never talked back to me, you know, like he, he's been nothing but the embodiment of love. And the truth of the matter is I had Bender I got him from my ex-boyfriend. He he gifted him to me. We broke up six months later. So it's been me and Bender ride or die through so many transitions of life. Like yeah. after my breakup, I moved four times, met my husband, I actually worked to my husband before he became a husband. So my husband helped me move the four times. We ended up getting married a year later. Wow. So he's been around longer than even my husband. And he saw me become a mom. He saw me become a homeowner. He saw me become a medium. He was always either on my bed or on my lap when I was doing my readings. Like he was my best friend. And yeah. I realized after I got him that I'd never been in love before. Mm-hmm. I was like, no. And I was married and divorced before. I was like, no, I've never been in love. So yeah. the love between an owner and pet, especially, you know, not everyone, because unfortunately people are unkind to animals. And so this isn't going to be the same case for people, but animal people for sure. There's not going to be any love that compares. My husband was convinced I love the cat more than the kids. And I'm not going to say he's wrong. <laughs> He's awesome. like, you prefer that cat over our kids. I'm like, this cat is nice to me. My kids talk back. I'm like, he's easy to love. And so, and you know, the truth is that Bender had cancer for two years and the vets thought he would die a year and a half ago. And I refused chemo for him and all that stuff. And so he literally lived off love. Like our love was so strong. And even when he was dying, you know, it was a very tragic day for me. But my dad was saying, if you weren't in that room, he would have gone so much sooner. But when I came in, his whole body turned towards me. And, you know, I was like the light of his life and he was the light of my life. There's nothing that compares to uh, an animal and pet. And, you know, I have a whole podcast episode that I released two weeks ago on the signs that he's given me since he's passed, which are phenomenal. And that was a very healing experience for me recording that podcast. And I've been actually keeping a grief blog because I was so obviously taking this end of life doula program, interested in the science behind grief. And so I actually documented everything. And like, there were days I couldn't lift my arms. There were days that sounds were escaping my body that I'd never heard before. Like the grief was just so animalistic, like so raw that I don't know how I got by. And I I opened the circle, the initiation circle, September 1st, I lost him September 4th. Like, how was I able to show up even to that? And, you know, I'm a powerful person. Like I hate saying that, but like, I'm a badass bitch. So I will show up all the time, especially when it comes to working on behalf of the world of spirit, but it's hard to be a mom and grieve. And it's hard to like clean up pee that my son pees on the floor, like while I'm grieving, like it's hard. And so, you know, there's no cure for grief. Even mediumship is not a cure for grief. I could go see a pet communicator tomorrow and they can give me the sign that Bender gives me, but it's not going to take away the fact that I had this little companion for 14 years and he's no longer here. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious to see if you ever get back to what was, or if you have to embody a new normal. Right. And so I lost a lot of my power when I lost Bender. I lost a lot of my confidence and it's been a process kind of getting back to myself because it was just such a raw grief. And yeah. I still cry every day over him. And I got a puppy. He gifted me a puppy. I asked Bender on a Friday. I said, Bender, I can't be without an animal. Can you please bring me black lab? There was no black labs to be found. There was like breeders with 2025 20, wait lists. I, re- I, I messaged rescue centers. Rescues are like, we never get labs. And I, I, I messaged, I put it out to Bender on a Friday. I said, Bender, can you please bring us a black lab puppy? By Tuesday, one of the local rescue centers was like, uh, we got a black lab coming from Mexico. Do you want her? I'm like, yeah, bring her by. So wow. we've had her ever since. And so, you know, yeah, it's just phenomenal, yeah. the relationship with pets and animals. But from what I understand, though, I haven't, you know, I've lost my miscarriages. I haven't lost like a born child. I haven't lost my parents. I'm so lucky. But it's funny and I'm being very vulnerable here. It's made me a little bit scared because I'm like, oh my God, am I going to experience this again when I lose my parents? Like yeah. I have a lot of people to lose. Yeah. And it actually made me a little bit fragile in life for the yeah. first time in a long time. I feel like a bit of my innocence has been taken mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So you feel yeah. that? Yeah, absolutely. I completely relate to that. And I think that it's um I got the same glimpse of it when I lost my my dog um Indy. Uh, you know, it was kind of like, oh my God. 
you know, and I think that that's, that's one thing you're bringing up such a good point there is even, you know, as a medium and somebody who has this, you know, ability to connect to, to, to the other side and this kind of thing as, as everyone does, but, you know, in this way is that, you know, we're not immune to grief either <laughs> um, at all, no. you know, it's still something that, you know, that, um, you know, I always say like, I, personally, I'm, I, I don't, I've, I've gone through phases of being afraid to die and, and like different levels and, and kind of, you know, uh, in, I guess intensity levels. Like I used to have panic attacks thinking about, you know, oh my gosh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to die one day, but I, you know, I am, I'm scared too. Like I also am the same way. I still have people to lose and, you know, it's sort of like just getting that, that, glimpse that taste of it is you know yeah. it's 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 frightening and i think that like you said there's things that we can do like you know exactly i can go i've had pet communicators talk to my dog or my grandma or my uncle or things like this and it's wonderful um and that's why i, I also love hearing you talk about kind of the link between your end of life um doula sort of work and mediumship and kind of going you know it's mediumship is all is not a cure for grief there's yeah. nothing that's a cure for grief. Nothing, nothing cures grief. Grief, grief is not able to be, you know, kind of uh, taken away or, or, you know, it can be, go through waves. It can be minimized. It can be amplified and things like this. So, you know, I think it's, it's such a, it's such a beautiful, it's such a, it's such a, such a beautiful way that you speak about your relationship with, with your cat and spirit too. And I think that um, that's been, you know, my, I find, I find too, I don't know if this is your experience. I know this is still such, so fresh for you and this is still so new for you, but over the past years that I've, that I've been communicating with my pet and spirit is that she's really like, it's very easy to, I find it very easy, like just in the way she's so pure and so innocent mm -hmm. and very like the way that she comes through or sends signs or, you know, dreams or things like that. It's just like butter. So easy. She just like can, can kind of come into my space and go back out or come in and come out like so easily. I just find that it's just the most pure, beautiful um, communication and connection. Anyways. Yeah. I think it's something that, that, you know, the grief of losing an animal is it's not, it's not something that I hear people talk about a lot. So I love that you spoke about it. And definitely if you're listening to this, go listen to Daniel's podcast spirit school. I listened to that episode or that, that episode that you recorded. It was fantastic. And I think it can be such a beautiful reference point to anybody who's in the same position as you. So, yeah. um, Danielle, thank you so much for, for coming on. I loved talking to you. I feel like we could talk for hours more and, and uh, I, I trust that I will probably, we will have many more conversations of this sort of this nature, but I, I really enjoyed getting to kind of pick your brain and hear about your experiences and, and appreciate your vulnerability and your, your honesty and really your authenticity, um, not only in this podcast interview, but just always in the way that you show up. Um, thank you so much for your work and your teachings. And, uh, and I really enjoyed having you here today. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure.